Hey gang, Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts is now funded by Patreon. Join to access our blog and unlock special bonuses like essays, reviews, show notes, and other exclusive material. It's brand new and you can be a part of shaping the material we produce. If we reach $50 a month, we'll be able to start buying vintage Scooby-Doo novels to review, in addition to our regular episodes. Thank you to David Green, Kyle Michaud, Katie Maxwell, Jordan Ferguson, Pablo Corden, Spencer Graham, Matthew Bang, Ashley Martinez, Gabriel Pesek, Sean Mokels, Toge, and Blake Sawyer for funding this episode. Welcome to Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. The original podcast that painstakingly goes through all Scooby-Doo media in search of those to Scooby-Doo absolutely or Scooby-Don't under any circumstance. I'm your host, Billy. And I'm your host, Amelia. And we're watching The Man in the Mirror. Episodes from the end of Mystery Incorporated. The final and disc of our set. Shit is escalating quickly. It is. There is a jump in mm, not stakes in this episode, but I will say there's a jump in methods for some of the villains. It really feels like maybe if we had cut out the gluten demon. We could have avoided extreme plastic surgery. But instead... I mean, I don't hate the extreme plastic surgery. No, neither do I. Am I saying we could have maybe gotten here in a different direction without the gluten demon, without Dance of the Dead, without every other bullshit Bronson Stone episode? I, I don't hate the filler episode like it seems it seems like an odd thing to criticize scooby-doo for for having very episodic episodes that's been half a century of scooby-doo and we've flipped it on its head we flipped the bitch for mystery incorporated we didn't need that stupid fucking alien episode for bronson stone fight me i will physically well- fight you over that one. I mean, uh, this here then, this is the sort of episode you have been craving. Because, like, spoilers, there's no one in this episode that we have not met before. This entire episode is set up and grounded in previous episodes. If you're coming into this episode as a brand new listener, you've no idea, or watcher, because they have visuals as well as audio. I'm just, I'm just used to talking to listeners so much. Um... Where was I going with this? Uh, right into the premise. Then here you go. A man in a mirror kidnaps Fred and takes him to a world where the planispheric disc destroyed all of Crystal Cove. Meanwhile, the gang encounters a strange Fred. It is a heavily Fred-centric episode. It's a heavily Fred-centric series. I mean, but this episode, it's a double dose of Freddy Boy this week. Um, I wrote my first note at first glance that it was a bit of a strange beginning. The gang are splitting up and solving a case even though it's not been set up at all. 
we really feel like we're in the midst of something, it feels more like a direct-to-video opening than an episode of Mystery Incorporated. The mayor has called them to a house where horrible wails have been heard in the night. Mm-hmm. And this is the house that they rented in the Spookified Kids episode. Is it actually? Yes. Oh, wow. So there's even more uh, inside knowledge required to understand this episode. Maybe not understand, but to get your money's worth. Sure. They didn't just reuse a house model. <laughs> so, yeah, what happens here in Man in the Mirror, in that pre credit sequence, Fred gets sucked into a mirror, and we're sort of following... Two different sides of a story here. Two different timelines, almost. It's tough to describe them. I guess just an A... It's not an A plot and a B plot. It's two adjacent A plots. Does that make sense? Yes. It works to describe any evil mere doppelganger has come out to wreak havoc in this world well, storyline. Yeah, because we're following not only this evil Fred doppelganger, um, a dark reflection, if you will. Reflection? Reflection. Trying to mash up Reflection and Fred. <laughs> I spent a while writing it out. That was my first time saying it out loud. Doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. Reflection. You gotta, you gotta hit so- that C quick. <laughs> Sounds like you're about to puke. <laughs> well, seeing Fred treated this way makes me want to puke, Amelia. Should we start with Fred then? I don't know, because he's such a big part. Yeah, we should. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be hard to talk about anything in this episode without talking about Fred. There is the fake Fred in the real world. And there's the journey that our Freddy takes. And the journey that our Fred takes... Well, now, you set it up as the fake Fred in the real world. Why didn't you finish that thought with the real Fred in the fake world? Because... For that mirrored symmetry. I can redo it if you if you uh, want it. No, I've already said it out loud myself. You, that is a better way to put it. I'm sure that's the way everyone wants to put it. I trip all over my dang damn self in my words. Even that sentence didn't come out correctly. So, I, I think you're talking about Fred. Let's first talk about what actual Fred goes through because he wakes up uh, outside of the mirror in that house to what appears to him. You gotta talk about the mirror first. It's covered in like Cthulhu tentacles. Mm -hmm. This is an intimidating mirror to find in a basement. It is absolutely a mirror that has an aura of stealing your soul. And he is disgusted by his own reflection within it. (laughs) Well, you think he's talking about the mirror, but then he's just like, oh, it's my reflection. Yeah, that. what's that thing over there with its disgusting yellow hair and the tentacle around its neck? Describing his own ascot. Yeah, I, li- I forgot. I liked that scene. Before he's ever sucked in, you get this moment of Fred and his reflection not quite lining up. It's creepy as hell, and it's really the part that makes the dark reflection parts stand out the most in this episode. So he goes through the mirror, wakes up in a crystal cove that looks like a nuke went off. Yeah, like a a post-apocalyptic crystal cove. It reminds me a lot of that Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Which in itself is a parody. Of of the Omega Man. Yeah. Which itself is a remake of I Am Legend. Yeah. (laughs) 
We're several layers deep. <laughs> but yeah, Fred, I mean, he finds the mystery machine, and it's like bombed out. It's jagged metal missing the back half. What happened to your groovy paint job? Well, worse is to come when he sees the empty clothes of Shaggy and Velma laying on the ground. And Scooby. Scooby's collar oh, is we, there. Oh, we do see Scooby's collar. It's, and it, it's very much inferred that the gang has died waiting for him. Yes. They've crumbled to dust. Fred is the only man alive in this town until a super-aged Daphne comes out of the shadows. Yeah. And I actually really like the fact that it is uh, an aged Daphne out of all of them. Because do you know what my mind immediately went to? Time Slime. Y'all remember Time Slime? I try not to. Remember back in 13 Ghosts? <laughs> Who was it that went to the future? Was it Scooby? Yes. I think Scooby went to the future and he, he sees the members of the gang that have lived on without him. And Daphne has just aged and gone mad in the service of the new Lord Time Slime. And I'll never get out of my head just Heather North being like, Time Slime? Time Slime? Why do you have to touch me every time you do that? Because that's the Time Slime, is touch. That's how I feel every time I hear her say Time Slime. This post-apocalyptic world is this way. Because of the planospheric disc, or so aged Daphne claims. She says that Fred disappeared while they were looking around that house. Obviously, he himself knows he was sucked through mm -hmm. that mirror. The planospheric disc somehow went crazy with him away. But because it was so well hidden, they couldn't find it to stop it. And it sped up time until years passed and days and everyone crumbled to dust. Mm -hmm. Except for Daphne, which is a huge red flag. Like, sure, she's aged, but... But you know what? Since we're discussing this in the context of Fred, we should say that this is all some bullshit. And Fred recognizes that immediately. Yes. Like, hell yeah, Fred. It doesn't tell the audience right away. But Fred knows as soon as aged Daphne says jeepies that something's up. And aged Daphne is asking him to take her to the planospheric disk so they can reverse everything that's done. And he comes up with a super clever plan. He leads fake Daphne around to very specific places whose first two letters spell out the words fake Fred. And this is transmitted to the gang in the real world because Fake Fred is listening in on where real Fred and Fake Daphne are going. Yeah, it's a, it's a very involved plan involving making Fred believe that this is a pocus apocalyptic world so that he will show Daphne where the planospheric disc is. And then Fake Fred in the real world can go and pick it up. How does real? How does our Fred know there's a fake Fred, though? I, mean, I guess he saw the mirror image. That probably gave the game away. He knows, because he says at the end, that this is exactly what he would do to learn the location of the planetspheric disk. Mmm, okay. That makes sense. This is exactly what he would do. Well, I mean, I fucking love that our Fred sees right through it, and does what he needs to... Like, this is the most I have seen this Fred lie. 
and scheme. I told you he was a sociopath. Like they he pulled, takes after Mummy and Daddy Dearest. They pulled off a heist, but a heist is is fun. It's more about just you know, ooh, look what I did. This is him really like keeping things close to the chest, and it, it works. He realizes that he's actually on the abandoned lot of Crystal Cove Movie Studio, and he barrels the mystery machine right through a wall like he's like he is if the truman show was an action movie that's how it would have ended and then we just get some hot fred on fred action stop calling it that (laughs) i don't want to see fred fuck fred it's like he's fucking his twin brother doesn't that disturb you well, I mean, it's, it's, they're not fucking, Amelia. They're fighting. And it's, you're, it's you're seeing look- both versions of Fred at his full action man self. He doesn't have to hold back because he's fighting an exact equal. You know, when he's fighting, like, the Loch Ness Monster, he holds back a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, he doesn't want to destroy Nessie. I can't believe he skipped right over real Fred in the fake world has a on-his-knees, screaming-to-the-sky, no moment. How is that not the first thing you wanted to I, talk about? Well, I'm just... Honestly, I'm so intrigued by these fake versions of Fred and Daphne. <laughs> by the dark reflection angle. I was, I was focused on that and didn't fully take in the horror of Fred <laughs> in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. With no one but himself and Mr. Trapples. Who makes a loving return in this episode. Fred's teddy bear in the front seat of the dilapidated mystery machine. He wasn't keeping it in the regular mystery machine, so that should have also been a clue that something was up. Is this... Is that like a dilapidated Mr. Trapples, though? Is this a dark reflection of Mr. Trapples himself? It's a a Mr. Trapples that has become worn with age. All the age that has passed. I know we have bigger things to deal with, but I do want to see the next episode start with Fred lovingly restoring the post-apocalyptic Mr. Trapples and putting Mr. Trapples next to his older brother. I assume it's the same bear that... Brad and Judy took Mr. Trapples. That they wore? Cut it up. Well then, yeah, Fred's not going to hold back then. Now Fred's on a bloody rampage. Mr. Trapples, that bear, fits perfectly in his front pocket. How is that? How is that, world? Deep-ass pockets? There's not even a bulge. Foldable bear. Not even a bulge. Foldable bear. Also, Fred, uh, although you might not know it, very hollow thighs. He hollowed them out for trap making. He did. And teddy bear carrying. Now this fake Fred that comes through. How everyone doesn't immediately figure out that this is not the real Fred Jones is beyond me. Oh god, my first note here is just wrong voice, wrong voice, wrong voice. It is so disturbing to see a voice that is not Frank Welker coming out of Fred Jones. This is a sad look into the future. It it really is. When when Frank Welker retires, not dies, because he's never going to die. No, the man can retire, though. He's earned it at one point. And, uh, yeah, someone else eventually will voice Fred. I don't like that thought. No. 
that's what really put me off here. How do you feel about the decision for fake Fred and fake Daphne for them not to change their voices at all? I'm fine with it. Yeah, it definitely helped me follow the story, but it sort of goes against this convention of story. Well, it just goes to show you that they didn't care. Hmm. Yeah. They went to the extremes of, like, this plastic surgery and they were like, should we disguise our voices? No, these stupid idiot kids aren't going to figure it out. It it reminded me of Muppets Most Wanted, (laughs) where Constantine plays Kermit. The worst Muppet movie. How do the rest of the gang fare uh, with fake Fred tagging along? So I don't want to talk too much about fake Fred himself right now. That's in the villain category. But the villain category doesn't account for character development. Okay, well, I mean, it's... This, this is a strange episode. So if you want to change the boundaries of where we talk about these things, that's fine with me. Yes. Okay. I'm sure the last, like, five minutes of that discussion will just be cut and you won't care. The audience will just play along with it. Fake Fred is a bitch. He, he is just a, honestly, fucking asshole to everyone in the group. He says Daphne's forte isn't intelligence. What about you, goggle eyes? You got anything in there to Velma? And he offers Scooby canine crumpets because they all must taste the same. Much like Fred being able to fit Mr. Trapples in his front pocket... <laughs> Fake Fred has managed to fit that whole box of canine crumpets in his front pocket as well. Because they weren't in the van beforehand. When when has Fred ever been the one to carry the box of snacks? I guess maybe they all just do. I mean, that would make the most sense, but you hardly ever see Freddy offering them. And then that, well, that's really all for fake Fred. Is that he's an asshole? He's fake. How did he get his arms to do that wavy thing when he pulled Fred into the mirror? There was, like, a distinctly supernatural element to fake Fred in that opening scene. Um, well, you could say maybe they were gassing him at the same time. And the audience were seeing the perspective of that. They just hit Fred with some crazy knockout gas. Well, then why did he hallucinate giant wiggly arms instead of just being crazy knocked out? Because crazy, you gotta, you gotta dramatize it somehow in an animated series. And, and knocked out by crazy gas? Boy, that says wiggly arms to me. The, the rest of the gang react appropriately to fake Fred, I would say. I don't think they do. The Daphne dilemma, the way Fred treats her, uh, not allowing her in the front seat of the van, not listening to her, being a total fucking asshole, she's sad about it. And I feel like she'd be angry with this and not sad. I don't know, I mean... <sighs> It does take them a while to figure out that it's fake Fred, but they accept that it's fake Fred immediately. Like, they realize, like, oh, oh, yeah, of course Fred wouldn't act like that. Daphne is also terrified by the older version of herself. The animation on Daphne screaming upon seeing her old self is wonderful. There are vats of hot liquid metal that are almost poured on the gang after that. And she is not as upset about that as she is about seeing an older version of herself where she didn't treat her skin right. I got distinct Jessica Rabbit seeing that huge fat goop vibes off of it. Yeah! Not goop. What the fuck's it called? Dip. Dip. It's called dip. That's what I felt like. 
as she screams. Yeah, it, it's a very, like, center-on, well-animated, ah! Except better than that. That mine was more of a Lucille Bluth. Yeah, yours was a Lucille Bluth <laughs> opening the door to... Jean Parmesan. Jean um, Daphne does know her Fred, though, at the very end. You know, it's obviously, it's a doppelganger story. It boils down to the one of those, which one do I shoot scenarios. Daphne figures it out by asking each of the Freds how they feel about her. And the Fred that can't articulate it for shit is hers. An obvious joke. Executed adorably. Mm-hmm. I will also say, Daphne was on the game like this whole episode. That original mystery... The uh, abandoned house with the ghostly wailing. She found a cat in the attic that had irritable bowel syndrome. That's not really on the ball, is it? That's, she solved the mystery. That's finding a cat that can't stop shitting itself. This is, and you know what? And that's pretty easy to find, to be honest. <laughs> is this the, is that the first time that the answer to a, a Scooby-Doo mystery is a simple misunderstanding? I don't think they've ever just found an animal. That, right now, they've helped the people... Who they were originally trying to help, and they've helped that cat. <laughs> sure. Because I'm sure they took that cat to a, a reputable vet in Crystal Cove and got it taken care of for its IBS. Now we can... I'm sorry, I had IBS notes, and now we can move on to the Velma vision. I have nothing for Velma. Moving on. <laughs> she thinks she's going to get her first tardy ever when Fred doesn't come back to the van in time. And bullshit. Yeah. Our very first episode opens with Fred detouring from school to investigate the sewers. Yeah, now... You went with them, Velma. Did you, like, work off previous tardies with extra credit work, and now (laughs) this one is gonna be your first... Well, just fucking work it off, too. Because you've definitely been late to class before hanging with this gang. Not how tardies work. That just means you're late, right? Yeah. Moving on to the Scooby and Shaggy shenanigans. I like what Shaggy does in this episode. Because fake Fred is being an asshole. He has like one earbud in uh, saying that he's listening to a baseball game. Shaggy asks him what the score is. I know Shaggy doesn't care. What Shaggy cares about is bonding with his friend Fred, who he can see is a little different today. Maybe something's bothering him. Wow, you really fucking wanted to talk about this note. I did. This I... was like three-fourths of the way through the episode. You've got nothing before the baseball score? This was the main thing that really stuck out to me for Shaggy. He's like, look, Fred is obviously upset about something. That's why he's acting like such a dick. Let's try and break into that shell, buddy. It's a good move. I think a much more important note for Shaggy is that he drives in literal circles (laughs) on the command of fake Fred, who he also calls Mr. Fred. Yes. (laughs) Why haven't we been calling him Mr. Fred this whole episode? That is clearly what this reflection's name is. I guess Scooby does have more notes than Shaggy this week. Uh, He found a hat in the attic with the cat that has irritable bowel syndrome. And he's using it to do an impression of Shaggy's mother. Yes. To which he says, it's all in the hat. Now, I've never known Shaggy's mother to wear a hat. I feel like this version of Shaggy's mother would wear silly hats like that. But we have never seen her in that. 
It's always just been the big beehive hairdo, I want to say. It was an impression that worked for me. Maybe it's one of those cases where, yeah, the person doesn't wear a hat, but the hat does help you get into character. For some reason, it just triggers a weird response. Because I was like, oh yeah, I can totally picture that as Shaggy's mom. Fake Fred at one point asks if Scooby needs to be walked. Does the dog need to be walked when Scooby is fishing for some sort of attention from Fred? And he says, I walk myself, thank you. Scooby-Doo is no man's dog. Dignified to this microaggression that has just occurred. And you know what? We do know canonically, even in the original series, Scooby walks himself. He witnessed a dog napping. He was with Shaggy at that time. I think he was walking alone. I thought they were walking home from the pizza place. I'm picturing it. And Shaggy was, was like, hey, I'm going to place a call for some reason. I remember him in a phone booth. I want to say that was the Counterfeiters episode. Yeah. I'm, I'm imagining Scooby-Doo walking alone in his neighborhood huh? when he comes across a girl dog. And he's like, ooh, maybe I'll, I'll flirt a little here. And then that girl dog is kidnapped. And now Scooby is a witness. I think you're right. I think he is alone when he tries to sex up that poodle. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's not going to sex up a poodle in front of Shaggy. Maybe Shaggy's into that. Separation of church and state not what that means. Last note for Scooby. When Scooby is offered the fake Scooby snacks, or the inferior brand of dog treat, I guess they weren't really fake Scooby snacks. Store brand. Different brand. He goes to Velma for comfort by this insult. Yeah. Not Daphne, who's also in the back. The group has galvanized. The tensions that once existed between Velma and Scooby are no more. Moving on to the major minor mentions, Brad and Judy are in this episode. The Brad and Judy double duty, of which we have talked about them a shit ton already. But you may not have known. So I guess tell them, Billy. Don't just (laughs) sit there looking at me. I thought you would. Like, Uh, I haven't figured out who they are. Because fake Fred and aged Daphne are Brad and Judy. I think you need to stop saying aged. You're not enunciating it. It's coming off weird. Well, I won't say it anymore because they're Brad and Judy and they got extensive plastic surgery to look like these people to fool the gang. And they actually say, we couldn't have worn masks. You would have seen through it immediately. Unfortunately, Fred does see through it instantly because they try to impersonate him without knowing anything about him. And that's actually sort of the sad note at the end of this episode, that I feel like Fred is almost more hurt about that, that they couldn't do a good job of impersonating their own son. They They know so little about him. They can't manipulate him by methods of extensive plastic surgery and set building. Which should be a shoe-in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was fooled until they made their slip-ups. Which was instantly. Instantly, exactly. Like, well, he was, he, their set build. Like, these fucking idiots here that are with <laughs> fake Fred yeah. needed real Fred to figure it out from an quote-unquote alternate reality and okay. tell them. How fucking good is it? The, the trickery that Fred does here. I don't think we explicitly said it, but he takes fake 
Daphne to four different stores that form the beginning letters of those stores form the acronym FAKE, F-A-K-E. And I noticed that as the episode was happening. You but were, if, I did go through Did you even say the second letters? Yeah. Holy shit, you did? Yeah. Say it loud enough for the audience to hear. Amelia already said this. I apparently wasn't listening. I can't believe that. I agree with you. It's impressive. I know we talked about it a little bit, I thought we veered off of it again. No. I think you'll find I mentioned that the first two letters of these places, the Fafafir Food Entorium, the Arcane Arama, Kennel of the something or other, and uh, Education Board. <laughs> the first letters spell fake, but the second letters spell Fred. I think I'm just so impressed with it, it needs to be said twice. Because I can do the acronym of first letters, but second letters? I wouldn't even think to look. So it, that Velma writes all these things down and then immediately just starts circling the first letters of the sentences. Like, like they had just gone through acronyms in English class. Yeah, she's fucking World War II era code breaker, knows all the tricks. I love my acrostic poems. <laughs> you know what I think is, uh, you know what I think was Brad's biggest mistake as fake Fred? He didn't say treasure correctly. As soon as Fred said treasure, I had two thoughts. And the thoughts were, oh, that's fake Fred. The second thought is, oh my god, the person who replaces Frank Welker is not going to say treasure correctly, and that's going to break my goddamn heart. I know, I know I'm repeating points that I've said earlier now, but I just do not want to lose Frank Welker. Master criminal plan, we definitely went over already, but I, we'll go over it again. Fake Daphne wants real Fred to lead her to the spot in fake Crystal Cove where he has buried the real planispheric disc so that fake Fred in the real world can go to that location and dig up the real planispheric disc. I say dig. Gra I, I just assume in my mind that Fred is like a dog that will bury shit. Let, let me <laughs> dig it out of my junk drawer. Like that use of the term dig. Ya dig? It's It's... It's a pretty good plan, I think. Fe it's a fantastic plan. Feasibility-wise, the plastic surgery is a little far-fetched, but it's not the wackiest thing we've ever seen. No. Or even seen in this series. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, permanent extremes. But when you look at the scale of what they're trying to do to get this world-ending item, the planispheric disc, like, I get it. I get what they're doing. Brad and Judy are still just in it for the treasure. Exactly. Are, oh, are they? Yeah. They're not in it for the doomsday cult. I don't know. I question Brad and Judy's motivation so much. So do Brad and Judy. This town, it's not good for any of them. Can I just want to say, and I know that we've been all over the place in this episode because having an episode like this does mess with the structure of how we do Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. But while we're talking about villains... Those goddamn skeletons. The skeletons that were in the post-apocalyptic town. What were they called? Uh, Mr. Bones Skelobots. Mr. Bones. Adorable name. <laughs> I love it. They were actually kind of scary. Not in a main villain sort of way, but if you want to add like a good atmosphere to something... A horde of skeletons is a really good way to do it. Yeah, because for some reason in the alternate dimension, 
Uh, it's not enough that people just age to death really rapidly. Their skeletons also walk at midnight. Cool. Sure, let's just flood the fucking playing field with whatever we can. I like the idea that Brad and Judy stood in that town after they built all their sets and commissioned the artist to come in and just thought, it's not quite scary enough. I want to see some skeletons around this place. Get Mr. Bones on the phone immediately. Hey, we already laid out the clothes on the ground for Shaggy and Velma. Should we put some skeletons in those? No, they turned to dust. Because I don't want to go through... I, we already did that. I'm not wasting time. You ever tried to dress a mannequin? It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I'd like to imagine they tried. <laughs> and decided, no, we're just going to leave those clothes on the ground. Every other skeleton, totally nude. <laughs> yeah! Why did their clothes <laughs> rot away? <laughs> just, well, actually, you had a theory about this while we watched the episode. Yes, I said this is the alternate reality where Aphrodite from season one succeeds and everyone has fucked each other to death. The way that the backs of those vans are blown out. I don't want to know what happened. <laughs> We didn't see any, like, mushed-up pelvic bones, so, you know, it's just a it's just a headcanon for Amelia, <laughs> but still. Why else would they all be nude? It's just a hot day. Comfortable town. Yeah, we often <laughs> allow people to walk around nude when it's a little hot out. What do you think of, uh, of Brad and Judy in this episode in terms of terror scale? They're completely fucking insane. They're nine. Their own son- Um- your own father gets plastic surgery to look exactly like you and fights you to the death. Yeah. On a conveyor belt. He would have pushed Fred into that molten metal if he'd been close enough to it. It's a real, like... They are fucking insane. The way you actually get Fred confronting his father physically in this, like... This is the series that really lays the hammer down on Action Man Fred. This Fred, and is probably second only to the Fred in the live-action movies, in that he will punch you in the fucking face. Other Freds don't do that. But I think it's warranted here. The live-action movies, I see him as more of a jock, and I'm like, you don't need to go there. This Fred does it. He's got a lot of anger in him, this Fred. Yeah. And this is the father that abandoned him, so you go to town. And just the fact that, like, you know, you're not tearing a mask off this episode. They did this to themselves. Yeah. And they see absolutely no wrong in what they've done. And, and here's and the biggest thing. You're taking Fred, the image of Fred, and making him the villain of the episode. Like, you're, doing the, you're still doing the dark reflection thing for all intents and purposes. You know, if you were to line up the villains of Mystery Incorporated, the fact that you have Fred standing there? What the fuck? That's how I would feel about it. That and Time Slime was the most horrifying thing that ever happened to Daphne. In terms of terror scale, maybe even a 10. Maybe, maybe this is a top-tier thing happening here. You're gonna put Fred Jones on your Mount Rushmore 2.0. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe I need to rethink that. Dark Fred. It's interesting because taking a familiar image and making that your object of terror, using the uncanny in that way, can be very effective. I'll probably need to wait until we look at this season as a whole 
to tell you what makes my Mount Rushmore. But in terms of just the episode itself, Brad, Judy, well done. I hate you, you psychopaths, but well done in creating something that would really bother your little boy. Now, at the end of this episode, Fred tells fake Fred via fake Daphne to go to the old abandoned factory because that's where the planospheric disc is. While at the factory, the fake Fred and the real Fred fight. Fred, real Fred, does eventually get his hands back on the disc. You think, okay, fine. He's We've won. Just, he'll hide it again. We've won. Heracles comes out of the shadows, as do Nazi bots, which grab Daphne. So Fred has to relent the planospheric disc. Now, here's the fucking thing. He actually put the planospheric disc in the factory. Yeah. So why did he send fake Fred there instead of just being like, oh, Daphne, I finally remembered where it is. It's in the community herb garden. <laughs> Well, you want to be careful with herbs, Amelia. A lot of them require tending, love, and care. You don't just want to go having a full-out brawl with your father on them. I understand it's not as dynamic Ooh. a place to have a fist fight, but... Hey, you know where I hid the planospheric disc? At the police station. Under Chief Bronson's yeah. bed. It's here, in this cell. Follow me. So I think that was a really stupid thing on Fred's part to do. For sure. For sure. No, absolutely. It's... And definitely a gaping plot hole in regards to the Fred that figured out how to make, like, that secret message to Velma, but then just lets the villain grab the planosphere yeah. disc so he can make an action man entrance. Well, Any number of things could have gone wrong, Fred. And speaking of that here, so we do see Pericles. Pericles swoops in, he gets the disc. Once he has it, he says something very peculiar, which is, I'm coming for you, master. I'm coming to set you free. Is this the first instance we see of him being manipulated by something above him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. To me, this is the first time that we see... Heracles is knowingly working towards something bigger than him. I think with all the Nibiru things that we've heard before, we know there is a worse entity than Pericles. But here it's like, oh no, he's in cahoots. So Billy, is the man in the mirror a Scooby-Doo or a Scooby-Don't? The man in the mirror is a Scooby-Doo, absolutely. It is an absolutely. Yeah, watch this. It is fantastic. The only thing that I think I would change, and this is probably not even a realistic change by far, is I had thought this episode, how good would it have been if aged Daphne came out voiced by Heather North? What if Heather North had played Judy in this, in this show? Then you would have taken the role out of a woman of color's mouth, because it's Tia Carrare? Is that her last name? Kare? Carrie? From Wayne's World! <laughs> right, well, I did, I did forget that. So, okay. The ghosts of women past are now coming to take me away, apparently. Or that's just Hallway Toddler. Hey, if you want to be like Hallway Toddler and make some noise that we can hear, you can go to Twitter. Please don't do it in our hallway. I mean, they do They do have a new uh, sound system on Twitter that they're introducing where you can send someone an actual voice clip. So you just scream nonsense at us. <laughs> I'm at the Billy Seaguire. Amelia is at Fatal Amelia. And we can be found collectively at Scooby underscore Doos. 
can also stream all our old episodes on YouTube, Tumblr, our WordPress page, maybe Spotify. Maybe. Search! I can't... Did, did you put us on Spotify? I think I did. I don't think we ever confirmed that we were on if we, Spotify. Look, look for us on a service. If we're not there, simply download all of our episodes and upload them to that service. Yeah. Jeez. Why haven't yeah. we done it already, audience? Christ. Why aren't we on vinyl yet? Our next episode is Nightmare in Red. And if you think that this episode relied on knowledge of previous media to understand... I'm shocked none of these episodes were called Firewalk With Me, to be honest. Maybe not Firewalk With Me, but I feel like you could definitely get something in that vein. Firewalk With Me. Ooh, that'd be good. <laughs> and on that note... That's it for Scooby-Dooby-Us. Scooby-Dooby-Us! That's some damn fine coffee.